great to have you company. Thank you for downloading another episode of Height of Heart and for listening this week. I'm Deanna. Have you ever been on a retreat? Does the word conjure up thoughts of time away with business colleagues or perhaps a leadership team getaway with multiple days spent somewhere subpar no one would ever book for a holiday? And here you are having someone else organize your daily schedule, mornings, throughout the day and late into the evening. It's easy to walk away thinking we worked harder on retreat than in our normal working days and of course we come home exhausted. Have you ever considered or ventured out on a spiritual retreat? What would time away with yourself and God consist of? Well, it's all about giving God our full and undivided attention. And in a time when we're overrun with working your day job, working your startup, longer commute times and online posts and social media all day long, doesn't taking time out to rest and regroup sound good? Well, my guest today is Ruth Haley Barton, a doctor of divinity. She is the founding president of the Transforming Center, a ministry dedicated to strengthening leaders everywhere. And her latest book, Invitation to Retreat, explores the key practices to spending quality time away. So what is a personal retreat? Is it done alone or in a group? There are several different kinds of retreats we can take. The first kind would be a private retreat, silent retreat, and that's where you just go by yourself to a retreat center or maybe a hermitage or someplace like that, and you really are just alone with God the whole time. Another kind of retreat would be a private directed retreat where it's still a private retreat and it's still just you, but you have a spiritual director who you're meeting with at least once a day who's giving you guidance for your retreat time and listening with you to what God's saying and helping you to know kind of what to do next. And then there's also such a thing as what, what, what some traditions would call a preached retreat. But what that really means is that there is a retreat guide and you do it with a group, but it's still held within an atmosphere of silence and solitude where the emphasis is on solitude and silence. And in fact, you probably will take your meals in silence. You don't do chatting over meals and stuff like that. But, but you are with a group and journeying with a group and you have a retreat guide who'll give some teachings and some guidance and some exercises and things. And um, while the group does it together, the focus is not on interpersonal interaction, but it's you're still very much focused on what's happening between you and God. It's what I call being alone together. And it's very that's the closest thing to what we do here in the Transforming Center is a preached retreat. So what's the benefit of a personal retreat? How is it a spiritual experience? Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many benefits to retreat. Um, one is that, first of all, we rest. We rest ourselves in God. And I think many of us these days have no idea how exhausted we are simply from being plugged in all the time, constant distraction, constant overstimulation, constantly, you know, engaged in life in the company of others, um, the drivenness that's a part of our personalities, and you've already sort of alluded to that, that we really have no idea how tired we are. So the first invitation to retreat is the invitation to rest, and specifically to rest ourselves in God, not just physical rest, which is also very important. So there's a chapter in the book called Just Flop Down, that the first thing we all do on retreat is just flop down. I love that phrase. You know, after that, after we've gotten some rest and have established a rhythm of rest um, as we're on retreat, because it's it's that's such a significant function of retreat, and Jesus, of course, invited his disciples to that in Mark six. Um, but then from there, there's uh, more space now to allow the inner chaos of your soul to settle, to actually hear the voice of God deep within, to pay attention to things in your life that you know have needed attention but you haven't had any time or space, um, to bring your questions for discernment before the Lord and to listen to God for the things that you're trying to discern. 
um, to learn how to relinquish ourselves to God, to literally surrender ourselves. Retreat is a discipline of surrender. And retreat gives us a very concrete way of literally surrendering ourselves to God and surrendering our identity, surrendering the ways we normally shore ourselves up, the ways we distract ourselves. And we, we face our lives as our lives really are, and we give God access to ourselves in that more honest place. Wow, so many benefits. It is biblical, as you say, you know, Jesus himself spent time resting as well as being very busy in his ministry and his work life. How can taking the time to retreat and be still um, help in the fight against things like stress and anxiety and burnout, which are becoming bigger and bigger issues for yeah. you know millennials of today, for example? Well, the very function of retreat is extremely beneficial. Um to get not just physical rest, but to get the psychic rest that comes from not being so stimulated, from not being plugged in all the time, the psychic rest that comes from letting go into God and deciding to believe that God can handle your life while you're retreating and just, you know, letting God handle things while you're here doing what God has invited you to do. That's a very deep kind of rest indeed. Um, Many of us actually repress a lot of our real experiences. We repress grief, anger, frustration, resentment confusion. But on retreat, we're actually present to those emotions and we allow God to meet us there. Um, Retreat can be a time for sitting with gratitude also. It's not all negative. We can allow God to really bring to mind all that there is to be grateful for in our lives. And great gratitude is a powerful energy in the spiritual life. And I think what happens regularly and routinely on retreat is that we see our lives more clearly Um, both in what's not working, but also in the many gifts of our lives as well. And so gratitude becomes an energy for us. Um, I think, you know, for Christian people in particular, it's a frightening situation to get to the point where we're moving so fast that we know we're not discerning anything, that we're making decisions the best we can, but it's pretty much out of our own human intellect and striving. So retreat is an amazing opportunity to open up and to trust that God has wisdom for us that we couldn't think our way into. And so we practice listening to God rather than working on stuff ourselves all the time. And even that, to to really realize and practice not needing to be in control, not needing to figure it out, being with God with what is, and allowing God to be the one who gives the wisdom as God chooses and sees fit. It's a very restful and rejuvenating and important part of a truly spiritual life. Now, you lead a retreat center and um, you meet with a lot of different people from all walks of life. How popular do you think this concept of retreat or rest is with millennials of today? Because it doesn't necessarily sound very cool. You're making it sound cool, I have to say. But I I think that, you know, today's 20 and 30-somethings, they do need to combat stress and other things more than any other. How would you teach a generation or how do you teach a generation that is so go, go, go to be still? Yes. Oh, I love that question because my experience is that the young people are more ready for this than anyone. They fully understand that they are overstimulated. Um, They fully understand how exhausted they are. And so for them, it might be a little bit more challenging because they cannot remember a day when they weren't as connected and the fear of missing out and all of that is very real for them. At the same time, I think they're more in touch with their desire and their need for retreat than we would imagine. That's our experience anyway, is that as we speak about the benefits of retreat, more and more young people are coming our way with an initial understanding of why they need it 
and then they get a fuller perspective on that as our retreats go on. And when we think of retreats as well, we might often think of better leadership practices in business or in church life. But I mean, even if you don't lead a group of people in the workplace or, or something like that, you're still in a very strong leadership position because you're leading yourself. You're always leading yourself. Um, yeah. And a lot of what you've been talking about is focused on self and having a, a better inner world, how does taking time to be still help us in the area of, say, self-leadership? Is it where Mm -hmm. we're better able to hear our own inner voice more clearly, for example? Yes, you're connected with a voice that's not your own, which we as Christians would say is God. There's a deeper wisdom than what our human intellects and egos can think our way into. And so, usually when we lead ourselves or anyone else out of that place, it's a truer and a better and more effective kind of leadership. The other thing that's an interesting opportunity on retreat is, as you've already used the phrase, self-reflection, or we might say self-examination, where we're able to notice um, what's going well, what's not going so well in our lives. And rather than always projecting it onto others and saying, well, that's because of them, on retreat, we say, God, show me what what there is here that's about me. And God is very faithful to answer that prayer. That's the psalm from the prayer from Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. Um, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, you could, that word wicked is a harsh word for us, but you could say, um, you know, any unfruitful ways in me, any negative ways in me. But um, on retreat, we get safe enough with God and we get rested enough to actually face what's going on underneath that causes our ineffective behaviors, our negative behaviors, those self-sabotaging behaviors, those things that limit us in terms of our leadership effectiveness. God always answers that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And so on retreat, you just create safe space where you enter into that place of knowing that you're loved, you become a child in God's presence, you receive rest because you've just flopped down, and you're able to bring to God your deepest questions and experiences, and some of those are going to involve self-examination. If your marriage isn't working, or you keep losing your job, or you're not effective in your leadership and people are starting to say so or just leave, you know, on retreat, you bring that before the Lord and you say, God, what is it in me? that might be a part of what's happening here. And that is a really brave and a very fruitful thing to do. And God is loving. So God doesn't ever beat us up. God doesn't ever make us feel shamed. But God is very faithful to answer the prayer. <laughs> Search me, O oh God. Yeah, search me. It, it, I, it is brave, as you say. It, it might even, um, I think a stumbling block at first might even be a fear of, but what if I, if, what if I don't like spending two days by myself? What if, mm-hmm. what if this isn't a nourishing experience? What if I lay myself bare on my own in a hotel room before the Lord and I'm, and I'm not met? I don't find help. Like, what would you be some of, what encouragement would you give to get over any stumbling blocks that might mm-hmm. be fear holding us back? Yeah. Well, that's a lovely question, too, because it's funny to me that many uh, mature Christians, they they know God loves them. They could preach a good sermon on God's love for them, God's faithfulness. But when it comes to retreat, there is that question of what happens if God doesn't show up for me? What happens if I go to this, these great lengths to unplug and disconnect and make arrangements and God doesn't meet me? Of course, the other fear is that God will meet us <laughs> and say something we might not want to hear or something. So, you know, we kind of got it going both ways. But um, I think we come back to the discipline or the, the spiritual discipline of retreat and spiritual practices by definition, open up space for God to be in control. And retreat does that in a very profound way. So on retreat, we say, I am 
giving myself to God, I'm surrendering myself to God, and whatever God does or doesn't do, I accept that, um, and we let God truly be in control without expectation. Um, now, that sounds really challenging and frightening, and a lot of times early on on retreat, we do struggle. We face our inner chaos. We face our discomfort at being disconnected, our fear of missing out, our anxieties and things like that, but if we can press through rather than running the other way, then it's almost like coming out into a clearing, you know, like fighting your way through a forest and then you come out into a clearing and there's beauty and there's peace and you start to hear from the Lord. And so even though we are doing this risky thing of giving ourselves more completely to God and surrendering ourselves to God, the other truth of the matter that we have to remember is that we serve a God who comes. God has always found ways to come to us. Um, And of course, the ultimate coming was in Jesus. And so it's not like we're making ourselves open and available to someone whose intention is to leave us all alone. That's not our God. That's not the God we serve. So it's a, it's a state, it's a step of faith, I think, to surrender ourselves to God and to trust that this God who comes is also the God who comes to us in very personal ways. And he will not leave us alone or abandoned. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus says, you know? Yes. Okay, I am going to take this step of faith. I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to switch off my phone for 24 hours, which is probably the scariest part, not Mm -hmm. looking at social media for a little bit. How do I go about having a personal retreat? Like, what do I actually do when I've created this space and this time away? Well, first of all, I encourage people to start in the evening so that you get yourself there and then the first thing you do is rest and sleep. Um, I think that's the very best thing to do because not only are we all tired, so if you start your retreat at 9 o'clock in the morning, you'll probably spend your whole day just wrestling with how tired you are. So just start it in the evening, get where you're going in the evening and eat and get yourself settled and go to sleep. And go to sleep imagining yourself in God's presence, imagining yourself as a child and that God is watching you lovingly as you sleep and you lay yourself down on the pillow as an expression of trust in God and you know God's with you and you sleep in that embrace of God. Um, Sleep is a powerful thing too because it gives us a way of um, allowing our defenses to go down. So when we're awake, we're very defended by ego and intellect and things like that. But when we sleep, um, we become tender, childlike, our defenses fall, and you know, it's just a good way to start to open and to be in a different kind of headspace with God. And then you can, you know, you can either explore it or you can start out with a simple schedule. You'll work it with the meal schedule of the place where you are. But I suggest time in silence in the morning with coffee, just sitting openly before the Lord. Um, if you have a Bible reading plan or a spiritual book that God's using in your life, you might read a little bit. So that can be a nice skeletal schedule for you if you determine that. It could be that after breakfast, you want to take a walk or even before, if if you're a jogger, you could take your jog, but do good things for yourself and your body. Um, And then um, if you have a spiritual director, sometimes that meeting could take place in the morning. Um, but go, you know, you just keep yourself open to the opportunities that are there at, at, at the place where you are. So if they have an art room, you might want to go engage in some art, or if you're someone who loves being outdoors, just go lay on the grass and look up at the sky and watch the clouds go by. Um, but to, to do things that are deeply replenishing for you, body, mind, and soul, then lunch, maybe you have a fixed hour prayer that you do around lunch, or maybe the 
community provides that. That is one of the benefits of going to a retreat center that has a community that lives there, is that they will be doing fixed hour prayer, and typically you can enter into that with them. There's just a lot of space in there for God to do something that you could not do for yourself. After lunch, take a nap. One night of sleep is never going to bring us back from the dangerous levels of exhaustion that we all experience these days. Take a nap and take a big one. Um, And then after that, I think you'll be ready for some more reflection. I think journaling is an amazingly wonderful thing to do on retreat, to journal what you feel God is saying to you, Um, to start your retreat time by saying the truest thing you know how to say to God. There's a little prayer that I that I always find jumpstarts my ability to talk to God, and it's by Ted Loder, where he says, he talks about the fact that he's been so busy that he doesn't know what to say to God, and he forgets what he wanted to say, and he forgets the question that he wanted to ask, um, and he asks God to just try again with him, and I will with you too. And so then, you know, then you're at dinner time, you have dinner, and then you maybe read after dinner, maybe another walk, um, and then you go to bed and you rest. So, Um, that's the way it goes. And I put a little sample schedule in the book so that people aren't left with nothing. That does sound like a very full, (laughs) full Mm -hmm. day in the best possible way and Mm -hmm. no social media and no television, which I think is a scary thought. But once you've done it, I'm really excited to give it a try. I actually really like the idea of taking a retreat at like an expensive hotel for one night that has like a Mm -hmm. spa. That just sounds like my idea of a good time. Um, Where are your favorite surroundings for getaways like this? First of all, we can laugh about the, the expensive hotel, but there are parts of it that are really good. Like, for instance, I think if you can get get body work done, and what I mean by that is massage um, or reflexology or something like that, anything that gets you in touch with your body and that ministers to you at the level of your body. So while we laugh at the expensive hotel, the thing is that massage and other body work is really good. It's a very good thing to do on retreat. So really? many retreat centers these days will have that and you can sign up for it and take it, take full advantage of it if you can. Anything that's offered to you to do in the body, prayer experiences in the body, anything that will stretch you towards offering your whole self to God, say yes to the invitation. Can I just ask why is the physical um, side of something like a massage or reflexology, why is that so important or how, how do we get in touch with our physical sense or our inner sense? Through I'm really surprised that you would say that that's a really good thing to do. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. So I'm glad we can talk about that. Well, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are created for prayer. And I think many of us are really disconnected with ourselves as physical beings. We see our bodies as something that we use kind of mechanistically. We drive it like a truck. Many of us abuse our bodies in some ways, and we certainly don't pay attention to our bodies. But our bodies are a created goodness that that God has given us. And so to be in your body is also to be aware of your more tender self. You know, the body has its vulnerabilities. Um, it's I think our bodies are really intimate places, and a temple is, after all, a place of prayer. It's a place of meeting God. And so any body work that you have will help you to pay attention to your body and to maybe even experience and encounter God in your body, which is what a temple is created for. Um, I think just even the care for the body is to respect and honor a gift that God has given us that warrants honoring and that warrants care. Um, And many of us don't get cared for at the level of our bodies, especially in our very uh, sexualized society. Oftentimes when we think of bodies, we think about sex. And it's uncomfortable to, you know, to think about just care, tender care Mm. for the body and how rejuvenating tender care for the body can be non-sexual care. 
Yeah. Do you know, I struggle with massages. I just don't really, I just carry a lot of tension. So it's never been my favorite thing, but I've fallen in love recently with pedicures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but for that very reason is it feels like a ritual to me of where I take space to take care of a part mm-hmm. of my body that I cane. Like I work my feet to death. I mm-hmm. live in London, so I yeah. walk absolutely everywhere. Um, so that's really positive to hear you say. Well, um, you were telling me where else you like to have getaways. Oh, yes. Um, I've done it every which way. I have done it in a nice bed and breakfast. I've done it in um, you know, an Ignatian retreat center where they have fixed hour prayer and the Eucharist every day. Um, I've done it. I've, I've uh, retreated in hermitages when I'm just alone in the woods in a cabin. <laughs> every All of those ways of doing it have their benefits. And so you just need to listen for what it is that you feel is most needed and what you think you could actually do right now. Or just take the best opportunity that's there for you that doesn't feel too complicated and just start with that and try um, and experiment and explore what works the best for you. Haven't you also been to a monastery? Oh yeah, when I yes, when yes, absolutely, I have um, a convent and a monastery, and um, and that's again where there's a community there that's living together and praying together, and then you can join them in their prayers, and um, you know, like I said, there might be some guidance given for your retreat. There's often spiritual directors there as well, so um, oftentimes monks and nuns are trained in spiritual direction and can really be that kind of a companion for you too. Wow. Well, with all. You've, you know, with all the work that you've done and the research that you've done to now understanding how to take time of stillness and how to have a retreat and all this information that you, you're bringing us today helps us, as, as I'm sure it's helped you in your journey. But what do you know now that you didn't know when you were in your 20s? Well, in my 20s, I did not understand the role of drivenness in my life. I would not have known to use that word. I would have not have known that the energy that I was bringing to try to achieve things was actually on some levels an unhealthy drivenness. I did not know that in my 20s. I did not know what was driving me. And so I had to sort of hit a wall in my own life in my early 30s to say, I am not living my life well. Um, and I began to uncover the fact that, you know, there's there, there are the good passions that cause us to want to do something good for God. But all of us have darker motives. All of us have uh, darker aspects of drivenness that actually drive us to unhealthy ways of living. And so that was a revelatory thing for me in my early 30s was to start to get more understanding and more honesty around what was really driving my pace of life that was so unhealthy for me. And once we uncover something like that, and it f- doesn't feel like someone's telling me some telling me something that's untrue, if you've unearthed it within yourself, or you feel the Holy Spirit whisper, perhaps during a retreat, it can hit home quite hard if we weren't expecting to hear it, but it also feels very true. So how do we then go about working through, do you think, what is the next step? When you've been on a, on a retreat, you've uncovered something, uh, you then have to take that truth home with you. So what's the next step to working right. through that? Well, at that point, if you can seek out a spiritual director, that is a very good thing to do because that that's uncharted territory for you. And so to have someone who's a little bit wiser, a little bit farther down the road on that journey um, is helpful to support you and God's invitations to you at that point. And and even some sometimes feeling like you're just spinning out of control because you don't know anybody else than the, than the driven person you've been. And you wonder, who will I be if I let go of this drivenness that's characterized me all these years? And so uh, a spiritual director can actually kind of hold you together, you know, in a way. Um, 
and help you to know how to take really good steps on your journey and also guide you in spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that can help and support during that journey as well. Because that is one of the benefits of having a spiritual director is that they are also more well-versed in a variety of spiritual disciplines. And so if you're opening up your journey to a spiritual director, then they can actually recommend spiritual practices to support you. And that could be a pastor or a counselor or a therapist? So a spiritual director is, is actually distinct from all those roles. A spiritual director is someone who is very practiced in listening to the Holy Spirit in their own life and in the lives of others. So whereas psychology and counseling is usually more problem-oriented, spiritual direction is not, and it's not about fixing or advice-giving or anything like that. It's about helping the person to see and to know and to hear what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life and to support them in saying yes to God and in bringing spiritual practices that will help them. It's always uh, a very pure and clean relationship in that it's, there's only one purpose for it, and that is paying attention to the Holy Spirit in your life and helping you to say yes. Uh, oftentimes it's hard for a pastor to fill that role simply because, you know, they will have, they will have a little bit of their own agenda, you know, wanting you to stay at their church, or maybe you're someone that they have, uh, you know, seen potential for leadership and whatever. And um, so it's typically not a pastor either. Um, it's usually some someone outside all of your known circles. It's someone that you do not run into in your social settings or in any other setting week to week. Where do we go about finding someone who fits that criteria? I've not heard of this before. Well, um, the very places that we've been talking about, Catholic retreat centers and monasteries and convents, many of them will provide spiritual directors because that's just a part of the charism. That's part of what they do because spiritual direction goes so well with retreat. Um, but there are starting to be more Protestant groups that um, also have trained and are offering spiritual direction. And so I did my training with a group called the Shalem Institute. Um, but there are many other training programs and lists of of spiritual directors. All you'd have to do is, is you know, Google it and um, you'd see some of the places that are offering recommended lists. You still have to be careful, um, you know, that you're meeting with someone that isn't going to stretch you beyond what you're, you know, able. Um, so, for instance, a, a Protestant might want someone within their own faith tradition rather than someone who's not in their faith tradition. Um, others might be comfortable with someone um, outside their typical tradition. It definitely needs to be someone who's not trying to defend the faith with you, um, but someone who's able to listen to God in your life and, and isn't bringing a lot of their own opinions and positions, theological positions to you. That just is not the job of a spiritual director, and a good spiritual director knows that. Well, thank you so much for your insight, your experience, and for speaking with me today. Invitation to Retreat is available now from IVP Press and wherever good books are sold. And I so look forward to hopefully having another conversation with you in future. Good. And I look forward to hearing that you've actually gotten to go on a retreat. No, I'm straight up going to do it. I have a plan. <laughs> I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> yes. Well, I can tell you will. I can hear the intention. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's about all the time we have. So thank you very much, Ruth Haley Bassett, again for speaking with us today. Her book, Invitation Retreat, is available now, so make sure you go and uh, check it out. I've really enjoyed it myself. Thank you so much for your company. I'll be back soon with more conversations surrounding self-leadership, character, and faith. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. 